Now it's day two of the Goa Forum and as reported by our sister publication, African trade ministers are pushing for a three-year reviews in terms of eligibility as far as the agreement allowing preferential access to U.S. markets is concerned. Now this instead of the current annual review, a risk in terms of uncertainty for African markets. Now Philip Myberg, who's head of trade, business and commercial banking at Standard Bank, joins us to bring us up to speed with some of the developments at the forum as well as some of the themes dominating a conversations. Philip, thank you for your time and a good afternoon to you. Thank you very much, Nolikanda. Good afternoon. All right, Philip, I think we're just about halfway uh, through the forum uh, or the summit. Uh, let's talk about some of the emerging themes that have dominated a conversation. Yes, Nolikanda, thank you. The, yesterday was dominated very much by the private uh, sector conversations in the context of the Goa. This morning, the more governmental conversations started happening, but the themes have very much been consistent uh, throughout yesterday and today. Um, significant discussion around the interplay between AGOA and AFCFTA. We know that AFCFTA strives to reduce uh, tariff barriers, but also non-tariff barriers. It will certainly make trade with the U.S. much easier and allow us to develop these much-needed regional uh, value chains if the movement of goods and people and services are easier across the continent. And that certainly leads to the second theme which have come through is the much needed uh, requirement for capacity on the continent. The U.S. is a big market, it's big opportunity, but we need more capacity to be able to meet the demands on value-added goods on the continent and not just, of course, our previous reliance in the export space on raw uh, minerals. Um, some of the other themes that have stood out just briefly, lots of focus on the agricultural sector, certainly seen as one of the key opportunity environments um, for export to the U.S., big demand in the U.S. for agricultural products, both in the primary space, but then so too as we mature our respective markets in the secondary space where more value can be added. This, of course, is very appealing because the value-adding sectors certainly create more jobs than just the exporting of raw minerals. And then lastly, perhaps, um, also some conversations certainly on how we leverage technology better uh, in our export relationship with the U.S., uh, we know that sometimes it's very difficult for small businesses to get access in the traditional ways of trade with large markets like the U.S. Of course, technology changes all of that. And if we improve the technology infrastructure on the continent, it allows every single person with a phone to potentially start a business and become uh, a global business uh, with access to market to the likes of the U.S. Philip, I'm very uh, curious about the issue of capacity building um, and the value-added goods sector there. What does that look like, uh, you know, practically for uh, the African continent? And I'm wondering if we're also having a conversation about possible investment flowing from the United States onto the continent, uh, you know, to build that capacity. Yes, absolutely. I think it's, it's a key component of leveraging more from the AGOA um, uh, Act. I mean, even President Ramaphosa this morning confirmed his view also that the utilization of AGOA is certainly un underutilized. We need to develop those regional uh, cha uh, value chains. But of course, we need external investment to help with that. And he implored the U.S. to also help us um, in that context, both from a capital perspective, but also from a te technology and skills transfer perspective. We've had Lots of good learnings from the auto sector. The auto sector in South Africa has benefited quite a bit in, uh, from the AGOA specifically and has shown us how regional value chains can really help in that context. We know the auto sector in South Africa benefits from components from Lesotho, Botswana, and even further up north in Africa to ultimately produce the vehicles that they do. 
We can do a lot more than that. There's no reason why in the agricultural space, as an example, you can't have cold chain and transport specialization happening in one country with biotech speciality sitting in another and all of these coming together uh, for a more advanced uh, agricultural product, of course. So certainly a big, big dependency on maturity of regional value chains for this to succeed. And Philip, just, uh, you know, going sideways a little bit, uh, you know, when we speak of AGOA, there's a huge temptation from many people to juxtapose it against BRICS. And I'm wondering if it's, uh, you know, something that is uh, worth doing at this point to pitch them against each other. Is that uh, useful for the African continent specifically? I think it's an important question, an important consideration. But from a private sector perspective, ultimately, whether it's BRICS or AGOA, it's not a, con a question of picking the one at the detriment of the other. The more trade treat, uh, agreements we have in place, the better options we have as a private sector. Businesses like optionality, businesses thrive on competition. And this allows us much more opportunity in our negotiation with the respective trade partners if we're able to have BRICS as an option, AGOA as an option, and many of the other trade agreements and partnerships that exist. So, so certainly for us, it's more of a, of a benefit to have all of these uh, in, in this context as opposed to having to choose. And speaking about the AFCFTA, I'm wondering if it's important also for the African continent, uh, you know, to move more rapidly, uh, you know, in terms of getting our ducks in a row. Of course, it's a tough negotiation, uh, you know, non-tariff barriers and tariff barriers have a huge uh, bearing on uh, local governments and on uh, individual uh, countries within the African continent. But we are moving rather slow, Philip, and I'm wondering if, uh, you know, that means that we just lose out on the benefits that could accrue from a go as a result? Yes, I, th I think AFCFTA, as I said, is an important context and reference point in, in creating success in AGOA. I also think we have to be practical here. Of course, more can be done to speed up the ambitions and the execution of what the AFCFTA is striving for. Um, we know that good progress is being made on multiple fronts, both on the tariff and the non-tariff barriers. Protocols are being rolled out on youth, women, and SMEs. Protocols on digitization. Progress is being made on the Pan-Africa payment and settlement system. Can we move quicker? Yes, absolutely. But coming back to the point of being practical about mm. this, if you just put it as a reference point to the journey that the e European Union went through, many forget the European Union took 40 years plus to, to get into place. And of course, the position that we are in, it's a far more complex environment. We're talking about more countries, more cultures, more diversity in terms of economic development as a base to, to depart from. So the comparison to the EU is a good one to start off with and, and just manage our expectations that it's complex and it will take time. Notwithstanding, of course, that we can do more. And from a Standard Bank perspective, we're doing everything that we can from from our side to do that, whether it's access to finance, helping SMEs, women and youth, and also importantly, and using our capabilities with our footprint across the 20 markets to share our networks, give access to information, like with the likes of the Africa Trade Barometer that we recently launched, to small businesses to make more informed decisions, inform policymakers on, on how we can better and faster at implementing the policies of the AFCFTA. Well, Philip, I'd like to thank you for speaking to us today. Certainly invaluable insights are coming out of that summit. Uh, enjoy the rest of it. And uh, tomorrow, uh, that was uh, Philip Meiberg. He's head of a trade, business and commercial banking at Standard Bank.